0: Silverman here, former guest on the I Know You Hear Me podcast, aka Flynn's annoying little improv sister, jsilv underscore vo on Twitter, jensilv underscore vo on Instagram, or my cosplay page at captain underscore all underscore m-a-i-g-h-t. And now let's get into it, the man you really want to hear, or do you, before he suplexes me. Here's the man of the hour, Flynn Hendricks. Hi, I'm Will Harridge and I'm an audio engineer, but you would not believe the amount of mediocre voice actors I get in on the daily. It's scary, honestly. I always want to recommend them to Elise Bowman, who's the best voice acting coach I know, but I'm always afraid I'm going to offend them and be out of a job. Thankfully, I send the best ones over to her anyway over at EliseCoaches.com, and they keep coming back. Hi, I'm one of the mediocre talents that Will has to work with. And really, I'm thinking about looking up Elise myself. Go look at Elise coaches today and start your career without ending mine. What he said. Welcome back, everybody. Come on in, grab a seat, grab a hold, whatever you want to do while I'm trying to figure out where oh where the time is gone, man. Two years. I don't know if I need to sing happy birthday. I don't know I don't know if I need to crack a beer to celebrate. I don't know if I need to have a cake and light a candle. I don't know, but The I Know You Hear Me podcast is two years old, and I really don't know where the time has been and gone, and, oh man, it's crazy to think where all this has gone, just from an idea in my head to reaching out to people, and some of you listening that were former guests of the show, and some of you listening that will be future guests of the show, like, man, I just, I, I, to say I am grateful is an absolute understatement, and It has been a privilege, it has been an honor, and it has been fun getting to chat with some of these people, some of which were childhood idols, some of which were friends through Zoom who have gone on to become close friends that I'm happy to say will be lifelong friends. And this has just been an absolutely amazing experience, and to everybody that's just now jumping on, you picked a good episode to start with, and I say it every time, but really you've got a perfect chance to go and do a deep, deep dive in the archives. You like wrestling, you like voice acting, you like... Entrepreneurialship, you like mental health discussions, anything like that, guys, it is in the archives. So go back, and there's a lot of me getting vulnerable. There's a lot of me giving you deep dives inside my psyche, inside my head. So dive on in, get ready to have some fun, and just show your support. And if you're inclined to do so, feel free to check the show notes, because I've got links to my merch store down there as well. got shirts, pictures, toys, you name it, I've got it. It helps support a great cause. It helps me keep this podcast going. And on top of that, two ten 10% of every sale is added to my monthly donation to the Nashville Humane Association and to St. Jude. So you're not only going to get some great merch, but you're also going to be helping some great causes. And you can't go wrong with that. And who knows? I might even shout you out on the podcast. But I figured, you know, to celebrate the two-year anniversary of this, first off, I've got to thank... Just Jeff for coming on board and helping me take this thing to heights I never even thought were possible. But, man, that guy comes through in the clutch every week. He makes this show sound professional. He makes it sound pretty. He works his magic. And, guys, if you need any audio editing done, any video editing, he's learning that now. But, guys, you've got to hit up Just Jeff. His information will be in the show notes, so see what he can do for you because he does a damn good job for me. But I figured to celebrate today, in the start of Season 5, and the start of our what will be third year, I would go ahead and discuss what it was like becoming the AIWF World Television Champion. And, you know... With the way professional wrestling and sports entertainment is today, it seems like a lot of people tend to focus strictly on the big companies like a WWE or an AEW, an Impact, maybe even New Japan, or the NWA is making its resurgence now that Billy Corgan is the owner there, which is awesome. And, you know, I've competed for world championships in various incarnations of the NWA. I've held multiple regional championships for the NWA, but now I can actually say that I'm a world champion. I can put that on a resume. I can say that I actually did that and I can do it with a company that is legitimately represented in six continents across the globe multiple countries I think it's up to 34 as of this recording and we're in 40 I think 40 states so far of the of the United States and it, you know it's an absolute chance and privilege to go around and be a traveling champion like the guys that I Idolized like a Tully Blanchard or an Arn Anderson. Like, I'm literally stumbling over words right now, which is kind of usual, kind of unusual, but I'm trying to make sure I do it justice so that you understand how much it means to me. But I mean, like, in all seriousness, even though they were under the NWA or the WCW umbrella for television champions, when you hear television champion, that's where your mind goes. Guys like Arn, guys like Tully, Steve Austin, Dusty Rhodes, Bobby Eaton all these guys, even Ricky Steamboat, man, like, all these guys made the television title something that was very prestigious, more than just a throwaway title, and you know, I always loved the way the championship looked, and this one looks like it's based off of that design as well from the old Jim Crockett promotion and NWA days, and you know, it's just, like Arn Anderson said, this is my world title, and he was a four-time television champion, and The fact that I get to go around and defend this championship now in promotions that I may have been to in the past or years ago or with what I'm booking now, never even been to before. So I'm getting to meet a whole new crop of talent. And at this point, too, it's coming up on 16 years as this comes out and as I'm recording it, just a month ago would have been 16 years that I first started training to become a wrestler and this November on the 16th will be 16 years to the anniversary of my first match and to say that I'm a veteran now still feels so weird but there are kids in the locker room now there are guys in the locker room grown adults that were kids when I first started and now I'm getting to work with them and prove that I can keep up with them and man it's just an absolute Oh man, it's a it's an honor, it's a privilege, and uh, it's not something that I take lightly. I'll I'll say it like that. And, you know, I'm going to walk you through what it was like the day of getting up there. And, I mean, like, to make this show happen, I found out maybe less than a month before the actual match happened, didn't even get to know the date until about a week before, and everything kind of started going into motion. But, you know, it's like, hey, I think you're going to get this opportunity. I was able to vouch for you and pull some strings. Thank you, Terry England. And I talked to the owner of AIWF to let me know what was going on as well and kind of gave me an idea. He said, I'd like you to film some footage to start promoting this match. We're going to send the champion who was a guy that I think he's been in about four years or so. His name was Gaston LaRue. And I think he was a two-time television champion. He came in the week before to set up our story for the match. And... Of all things, you know, like I go out after his match um, in Hart County, Kentucky. I believe it was a random Tuesday fair show, and the all the ever infamous fair tours that UCW does every year. They run the most fair tours out of Tennessee and Kentucky, and book the most dates. And I was fortunate enough to work most of them and get my hat into the UCW Ultimate Title Tournament as well. But he does his match. I come out after the end to congratulate him and challenge him to a match, and oddly enough, being the career-long villain, I got a cheer from the crowd, which was very unique. So I had to, I had to work in the moment and get those people to boo me right back, and thankfully they did. But you know, just the fact to see that these people, whether they boo me or not, thought it was cool to see a a homegrown guy or somebody that represents their home territory get this opportunity. Like the magnitude of the situation was not lost on them, and it. It gave me a minute where I had to fight back emotions a little bit and stay stay in the moment to go back and forth on the microphone with this guy. Well, I go out and have a match with a guy named Seven, who if you guys know, in real life, is one of my best friends, and we bust each other's balls left and right. If, if people didn't know we were friends, they'd think we hated each other with the things we said, but hey, that's how we operate, that's how we show love. So Gaston comes back out, costs me the match, and we're off and running. I film a very heated promo, which is uh, a diatribe, a monologue, to challenge him for a match. I lay it out for Elizabethtown, Kentucky, which... Oh, the memories of that town. So, we do that. Get tremendous praise for the promo from everybody that saw it, everybody that promoted it. And then from there, um, Gaston films his promo. We show up, and I'm one of those people that... I put a lot of pressure on myself whether you know, whether I know it's going to be an easy thing, whether I know it's going to be a hard thing. I want it to be perfect. I had all these scenarios running through my mind of how the match should be, how it was going to look, all these different things, and not a one of them happened. Not a one of them happened. And the Elizabethtown thing, the fair dates in Elizabethtown one year ago in 2022 is where I almost threw my boots in the trash can threw the Southern States title back at Terry England and said, fuck it, I quit. Because some fans in the crowd who have now become friends and some other people, I guess I had gotten them so mad being in character that they had gone to the fair board. They had said I was saying these obscene, racial insults and slurs that I would never say. And they claimed they had footage, but would never produce the footage. The footage never existed. So they word gets back to uh, the local veteran who was on his retirement tour, and he comes in the locker room after the match. I was out managing the guy that he was having a match with. So if I would have said any of that, you would think he would have heard it. Well, the match happens. I come back to the back. I'm thanking the guy that I was out there with. Everybody's shaking hands and all smiles. He comes back and clears the entire locker room out except for us and lays into me asking me how low down I have to be to get racial heat or to call someone the r word uh, meaning for somebody that's differently abled and the promoters in there the other promoters in there and we're all just kind of like looking like I was out there with you guys no one heard me say this and you know like thankfully somebody did go to bat for me but you know I never I never got an apology I stewed on it the whole way home things were just tense and Wasn't a good year for me, and everything was just kind of hitting the fan at once, and I was about to just say, fuck it, I quit. So to get to come back and do this again and have this moment in that town was just very serendipitous to me. Well, we get there. I I rush through work that day. I get home to do my leg workout, my first leg workout of the week. I wait for uh, 7 to show up. We get on the road. We're talking up there, yada, yada, yada. We get the order of the matches. I'm on third, and coincidentally, we both uh, Gaston and I both worked as villains, which traditionally does not always work in a wrestling sense. Typically, the story always works as a good guy versus a bad guy, a hero versus a villain, and there's a story to tell there. But essentially, it was just us out bad guying each other, and who was the bigger villain, who could cheat the most, or or whatever it was. And I wanted to do business properly. I wanted to do my part. And ultimately, get the title. But before we got there, Seven had a match with another guy who was about his size. Now, if you know Seven, he's about six foot three, six foot four, two hundred and eighty pounds, pretty built rock solid. He's in the ring with another guy about his size who's about 250, 260. Now that's over five hundred pounds worth of meat in one ring, and these guys are the match before us. Well, They do a spot where Seven grabs him, jumps, and slams him on the mat. Okay, we do that. Then here comes Seven for a jumping elbow drop, and he gets major height on this. He clears the top rope. He comes down and misses. Little did we know that in doing so, he damaged one of the boards in the ring, and he goes to throw his opponent into the corner in the opposite side of the ring and come charging as he comes charging he steps into a hole in the ring that he didn't even know was there that he created and dislocated his kneecap so this is the match before mine and we have to worry about how to get him out of the ring how to get him ready to go before everything happens and it's just uh man it's it's not good you know it's you worry about your friend more than anything else so we go out there we worked to the best of our ability. I ended up stepping in the hole twice, and thankfully nothing nothing bad happened. But we get through the match. Um, Gaston tries to cheat and roll me up by pulling my tights. I use some momentum, reverse him, pull his tights, and saw more hair on a man's ass than I ever wanted to see in my entire life. So, somebody get that guy invested in manscape. But um, we get through that. I don't even really get a chance to revel and celebrate in the moment because I have to get out of there, get dressed, and get him to the nearest hospital to get his leg checked out. And that whole ordeal, it's very similar to the whole Chris Jericho thing where you're the only one there to celebrate your win. You order a pizza, and the pizza ends up on the floor of your hotel room, uh, so you can't even eat it. Well, we stay in the hotel in the emergency room till about midnight. He's walking around still. he's jovial, he's making the best of a bad situation, hitting on the nurses, doing what seven does. and they finally clear him to leave. He's got to have surgery, uh, which everything went well, thankfully. But you know, then at midnight, an hour ahead of our time at home, which would have been 11 Central, we go to a CVS where they don't want to answer the window. After blowing the horn to get someone's attention who stared at us six different times, we finally get his prescription, get some food, and get on the road. We don't get home. I get him to his house because he can't drive. His car sits at my house for three days. Get him home at about two 45, 3 in the morning. I get home by 4, and then I'm up less than 90 minutes later to get on with the rest of my day. And... God almighty, man. Like, that is not the way I ever pictured becoming world champion. But that is the way that it went down. But at the same time, too, I don't feel like it would have been fitting if it happened any other way. Because that's that's just the way it was meant to happen for me. And that's just the way the story goes. But it's opened up a lot of big doors and a lot more opportunities are on the horizon. And now, as I'm saying in my, in my monologues and my diatribes, I get to determine who's TV ready. I get to determine who is a worthy challenger. I get to do all this villainous stuff that you got to see these guys in the 80s and these these well-known, respected traveling champions got to do back in the day. And I get to bring a little bit of that to the modern wrestling scene. And I'd be lying if I wasn't ex- saying to say, yeah, I'd be lying if I was going to tell you I wasn't excited for where it was going to go next. But, you know, it, it means a lot. Everybody has their opinions on professional wrestling. But at the end of the day... Whether it's WWE, whether it's one of these big companies, I can still say that I had a world championship attached to my name. And it's not something I'm going to take lightly, especially when the world heavyweight champion for the AIWF is two hours down the road in my home state. So my eyes are on prizes on top of holding on to this for as long as humanly possible. And I'm going to take advantage of every opportunity that that it affords me, and I am not going to let it go without a fight. So... That was just kind of a little insight into what it was like for me becoming the world television champion and give you a little bit more of that Flynn Hendrix experience. But if anybody listening to this wants to get their full version of the Flynn Hendrix experience and try and take the title away from me, you know where to find me. Check the show notes, hit my email, book me for your show, bring me in because I will travel. You got the money. I will pay to, you know, I will play if you will pay. So. Feel free to bring me in, and let's make it happen. Let's get some of your guys who you think are ready a chance to shine, and we'll see if they get lucky. But I'm telling you, they won't. They won't survive the Flynn Hendricks experience. But guys, that's going to do it for this week, and I also want to encourage you to not only go back and listen to all my former episodes, but go check out the Huge Pop Wrestling Podcast. Those guys are great. I was a recent guest on there. They've been great in helping me promote Becoming Champion. And then also got to promote Wrestling With Heart with my friend Stanley Carr, who's going to be a future guest on this show. I was a guest on his show recently, and it is a tremendous, tremendous podcast. Go look those guys up. Check them out. Get me on all my socials. It'll be in the links below. Subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. Leave a five-star review. Share it. Write one if you're so inclined to do so. And if you want to see me in your town, get me in touch with those promoters. Tell them you want me to come there, and I'll defend this title, and I'll even bring the Flynn Hendrix Enterprises title as well. But guys, I'm going to be back next week with the second episode of Season 5, and it's going to be another fun experience. So thank you, thank you, thank you for two years worth of fun, two years worth of cathartic chats, two years of just letting me have a place to vent and deal with the real world. I truly truly humbly appreciate it from the bottom of my heart and I love you all and I can't wait to see where we go next so come back next week and get ready to grab another hold as we call it in the ring and I know you hear me the I know you hear me podcast is a presentation of Flynn Hendricks Enterprises we thank you for tuning in this week and we hope you'll check out our sponsors and advertisers. Make sure you check us out next week as we come back at the same time with another awesome episode.